reminder as we get started in our, our next letter uh, to the churches of Revelation 2 and 3 of uh, the importance of sleep. Sleep is essential. I know this. I, I know how essential sleep is. Now, I will tell you, I'm not very good at this. You know, I run on coffee and Jesus. And a whole lot of Jesus, and some days, a whole lot of coffee. Alright? That, uh, you know, uh, I do try, I've learned over the years that i got to switch to at least half-calf when it comes to about 1 o'clock, or after the fifth cup, whichever comes first, typically not the 1 o'clock, uh, on that. But sleep is essential. You know, the past couple of weeks, as, as most of you know, you know, single parenting, I've been able, I've been able to, or I had to, I don't know which one it is, maybe both, wake the kids up. Do you know how early middle schoolers have to get up? Yeah. Yeah, no, what time do you have to wake up? 15. Uh, Friday, he gave me a little bit of a scare. Because uh, normally, I mean, he's my easy to rise kid, aren't they? You know, I go in, I tell him, hey, Daniel, it's time. And he's like, oh, all right. You know, well, on Friday, I get in there and say, Daniel, it's time to wake up. And he, like, bolts up out of bed, turns straight at me, and starts talking. Now, I am not a talker of the morning until I get either coffee and they are moving for about 20 minutes. And I'm like, oh my goodness, kid, what is wrong with you? Well, he told me later, shortly later, that at 425, he woke up thinking it was 625, got dressed, got everything ready, and just went back to bed and never really fell asleep. You know, and yeah, it, that's exactly right. You know, I think that day at 425, I had been in bed for an hour or so. All right, and, and, and so it was one of those, whoa. Now I will tell you, my youngest, she is not the easiest one to wake up. When Alicia was leaving, she let me know how that routine was supposed to go. Can anybody imagine that out of her? You know, those of you who don't know her, she was uh, sitting right over there, she's the one that been interjected about not having a dad hat, that's, what, that's her. She would let me know. All right, I go in, I try to do the right thing by her, and I have learned, I have to ask her five more minutes, and she always, she doesn't ever talk. You know, you know, whether it's actually two minutes or five, she wants extra sleep, you know? And, and Josiah's kind of in the middle, uh, depending on the day. Sleep is, Important, essential. Too much sleep, though, and you can be dropping all day long. Or not enough sleep, and then you fall asleep every so after during the day. 
You know, some of you, when you get into this, you, you finally stop at any point in time during the day and you sit, and what happens? You're out. Alright? Some of you have other physical issues that at night cause you not to sleep. And when you can get those corrected, sometimes, uh, as I've had some family members say, uh, once they got on a CPAP, they slept the best they've ever slept in their life. They actually wake up, rest. Sleep is important. Another thing that we would say is important is one's reputation. We have a saying in our world that says what? Repu your reputation preceded you. The thing with reputation is they're great, but they're focused on the past. It is what has happened. And a lot of times that's a good thing. That can be helpful. But what happens if life changes? And the person or yourself is no longer what you have been. Then that reputation may not be very good. And we're coming into this letter to the church of Sardis, which reminds us of both those things. In fact, to some extent, in some way, shape, and form, we have seen some of this happen in the days just prior to today. Where one nation somehow, normally very diligent, had a reputation of stopping many things missing. Don't know how. Or many years, or I love it almost, many years ago, when Russia came into Ukraine, when no one really thought that was going to happen. And yet, here we are. But as we continue in, it's a good reminder this morning that all of these letters of Revelation 2 and 3 were given to all the churches. You know, it went around to each of the seven churches. They would read what was going on at the other one. Ephesus had their own letter. It was individualized to them. But Sardis and Smyrna and Thyatira and Pergamum and Philadelphia, they would have seen it as well. Because every letter, as you have maybe read, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And one of the questions that I've been trying to help us answer is, what does this look like for us? Where are we? Or which mixture of these seven are we? And asking you to consider. Because churches are made up of whom? People. And if it is true of people, it will be true of the church. If you and I are like one of these churches, these letters give us the path forward. And so this morning we go to Sardis. Sardis was historically a very powerful, powerful city. I mean, there's a who's who list of great leaders, depending on if you ask, that made Sardis kind of their home. Sardis was built upon a, a kind of a, a, a hillside, the Acropolis where it was really hard to get to. That's what made it a powerful city in some ways. The trade route would go through there. And, and you could see coming down through it. Now, opposite of that, there was uh, something else called a necropolis, or what we would call today a cemetery. And there were some very powerful world leaders from 1200 B.C. and, 
remembering the importance of this town historically through the years. In fact, the city of Sardis at one time even gave Persia a little bit of a threat during the days of the latter part of B.C. I mean, this was a big deal. Its reputation was one of strength, of might, of being alive, of being a who's who and what is what. Now, by the time this letter is written, some of that had gone down. They weren't given the ability to have a temple in honor of Caesar. That went to one of the other churches or other cities. But this was a comfortable city. They learned, maybe some believe, to die wool there. And so they were active in the trade. They were very comfortable. And churches, we're going to find out, they have nothing on the outside pressuring them in, nor do they necessarily have anything on the inside pressuring them as well. Smyrna was a pretty safe, secure, stable, nice little country church. Sardis, whatever I say. I said Smyrna. Close, no, not really. Sardis. Safe, simple, content. They didn't have to worry about persecution. There was a tolerance of the city. They were pretty well accepted. They had a reputation of many things. Yet we read these words. These are the words of him, Jesus, who hold the seven spirits of God and the seven stars in his hand. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive. But you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die for. I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of God. Unfinished business. See, Sardis had an act, they were an active church in the past. They had right beliefs. They had received what was given to them from the apostles. They had all those right things and they were working it out. But sooner or later, they kind of just got lulled to sleep. No pressure on the outside. No pressure on the inside. There's no one causing trouble. I mean, this was stress-free living as far as anybody could have. And when that happens, we stop moving. When the status quo takes over any church, you stop moving. And the words that we read here in verse 2, strengthen what remains, uh, and maybe you're not ready to die, for your deeds have been found unfinished. Jesus said this, who among you will go to build a tower and not make sure you know you have the supplies to do it? See, one of the things of the, the city of Sardis is they actually had a, a, a temple there that was unfinished. So you see these words that Jesus is saying. When he says, your work is unfinished, they can go, 
Oh, we're like that right there. The temple to a pagan god. Guess what? An unfinished temple, you know what it's good for? Nothing. Zip. Zilch. Nothing. And they would look at that, and maybe they would go kind of as pushing, huh? They didn't know what they were doing, right? You know? They wouldn't know what to do. They didn't figure it out. And, and, and what is going on here is Jesus is saying, look, you've looked at that. You've looked there, and you've noticed it's been undone, and it's not worth anything. Guess what? I, as the one who sustains all, as the sovereign one, which is verse 1, and what he's saying about holding the seven spirits and the seven stars, which we read in chapter 1, and first part 2 is the churches. He says, I look and I see your unfinished work, which is useless. That would be like, in just a few moments, at least you're hoping and praying in a few moments, uh, I will finally finish up here, and we will go downstairs, and we will have donuts. There are how many donuts, Larry? A bunch, at least one less, because Leland, as our donut cup bearer, you know, makes sure that they're always good each time, in order that if Leland doesn't ever make it up on Donut Sunday from downstairs, don't eat the donuts. <laughs> All right? I mean, something's not right. But what would you do if you went and you got your favorite donut from that box, and you took a big bite in, and you realized it was only half done? What was that? Ew. You said it's a donut. Donuts like, er, donuts like, Noah's like, donuts get in my bed, okay? All right? Kids don't necessarily worry, but the rest of us are going, oh, no, 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 no. You know, I ain't eating a half-baked donut. You know, some of us can choke it down if we have to, the rest of you are going, it ain't work? No? No? Not going to happen. Or what? If in 30 seconds I just prayed and never finished this message, some of you would be like, well, great. Others of you would be like, ah, uh, that doesn't mean no good. You know? It's the same thing going on here. And so sorry as they were an active church, but then because of their area, their strength, meaning their stability, their, their, their faith that started, it was their strength, but it became their weakness because they allowed themselves to be lulled to sleep because they didn't have to have faith. They didn't have to overcome. They could just continue to exist because life was good. The status quo reigned supreme. Jesus, we don't necessarily need Jesus much anymore because, well, we're okay. They had a great history, and they were leaning on that history. They were, they were leaning on what has happened in the past. Today, the, uh, the group around here, the team that is going to help us celebrate next year our 150th birthday, as a church, we'll look at the past, and we can look at the past and go, wow, there was great things, but if we allow just our reputation to precede ourselves, 
In ten years, our reputation will not be the same. We must persevere on, continuing the work the Lord has called us to do. We cannot let our comfort, our security, our strength, the lawless to sleep. Because what happens in churches is when we do that, we don't wake up like Daniel did on Friday. We wake up like this. Puts the covers over her head. And I go back and I got another cover and I try to give her another kiss or two, but I walk carefully. There's too many kisses and she'll let me know. You know, that's not the case. Sometimes I do kiss in spite of her. Not I. Because, see, we'll get lulled to sleep and we won't wake up until it is too late. And the call that Jesus has for this church and maybe us today is wake up! Morning's here. Wakey, wakey. And he says, if you wake up, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Jesus, in his words, and if you do the devotions that I kind of try to create, one of the passages when Jesus said, I'm coming like a thief, and if you know what I'm coming, you're going to be awake. See, the history of Sardis deeply plays a part in here because every time Sardis got overthrown by somebody else, it wasn't because of the military might of the other people. It's because they got so comfortable and content and thought they were on this big hill, it didn't really matter because they would see everybody coming. It only took a couple of people to climb up the side of the cliff on, on the other side, but they weren't watching anymore. And sneak on in. One of those times, someone snuck in and opened the gates for, the, for their allies, the enemies of Sardis, to come in. And guess what? It didn't take long for the city to fall. That's why the call of Christ is not about just starting strong. Starting strong is not as important as finishing strong. Anybody can start but will you finish? The call of Christ, the gospel of Jesus, isn't just prayer, prayer, and then go on with life. That's not salvation, friends. Salvation is starting, but persevering on again and again and again. It says, to the one who is victorious here, they will be dressed in white. There's a whole lot there. Maybe I'll get to that in just a moment. But it goes on to say, I will never block out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge the name before my Father and his angels. What a great promise, right? But tucked within that is a warning that, that some may think they're there, but they won't persevere to the end. I know we're Baptists. And we are the Baptists of life that believe in eternal security. The security of all believers in God's hands, based out of uh, you know, John 10 and many other passages. 
That when, when salvation is a gift from God, it can't be taken. But sometimes that has allowed us to think incorrectly, I believe. That just because you prayed a prayer when you were 8, 10, 12, 16, or 20, that it doesn't matter how you finish up. That Jesus has sanitized you, you may be dressed in white, and it doesn't matter how you live. That's not the words of Scripture. Does that mean you lose your salvation? Oh, we can have a great debate, and they have for centuries. When, regardless of what you may believe on that, whether you, you're more like uh, me and Calvinistic and the security of the believers, or what would be called Arminian, in fact, you lose the salvation, both of us agree that if your life doesn't look like it, and if you do not persevere in the faith, you are at detriment to not having your name in the book of life. Jesus doesn't just come to sanitize us and let us go on. Jesus comes to transform us. And therefore, we must be givers. Every single one of us. It doesn't matter how strong you start, but it does matter when you finish. Josiah's been in a running club. And uh, yesterday, he, we went up to Anna for him to do a fun run. And if you don't know what a fun run is, it's a mile. It's a mile race to some extent. But with cross-country and racing like that, you're not really racing against people except yourself. And, and everyone starts those races. And everyone can start pretty quick. But you know what? No one cares how you start if you never get to the finish. And to be honest with you, no one cares how you start as long as you get to the finish line. Because see, there was one kid yesterday that wasn't anywhere near the front. I mean, these, these uh, kids up to sixth grade, they were running like of terrible times, in my opinion, of like seven-minute miles, okay? Disgusting. You know, they had a high school there that friends that go to Anna, uh, that uh, the high school girl winner ran at 3.2 miles in like 17 minutes. Okay, that's a five-minute pace. I'm sorry, uh, I don't ever want to run a five-minute pace. All right, uh, Vance isn't here, but I'd be asking for oxygen and lots of other things afterwards. That person was the winner by over 90 seconds. Imagine if you're the second place winner, the second place runner, and you have a, a race of 16 and a half to 17 minutes, but you realize you got beat by 90 seconds. But yesterday, back to the point of what I'm saying, is there was one kid. And you couldn't tell at the beginning what was going to happen, but you know what? At finally, at my pace, maybe a little more than my pace, about 15 minutes or so in, they finally get to the track and make the turn and to go around. Everyone else had been done. But this is the case in most cross-country meets or runs. She wasn't running alone. Because see, the high school team from Anna was running right behind. 
And as you, she comes around the last turn, all you can hear them say is, you got this, keep going, keep going, keep going. She was never going to get first place, but no one cared that she wasn't getting first place because all they cared was about was she was going to finish the race. And this is why Paul says in Philippians, I run the race, I forget what is behind me, and I strive for what is in front of me. Forgetting what is behind and straining to what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize of which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We are called to finish strong because Jesus is coming back again, friends. It may be today. He didn't come before 1030. I'm sorry. I was praying. But he's coming again soon. And our job is, unlike the city of Sardis, is to be so vigilant that we see him coming. We're like, I got this. I got this. He's coming. He's coming. I'm going to be about the work of the Lord. What is the work of the Lord we sang about? To see the, the people of this world, to get a hold of the light of Jesus and say, I want that. And we are pretty secure right now. We're pretty safe right now. We may think I can get to that someday. And we may, unfortunately, get so comfortable that we miss it. And friends, beloved ones of the Lord, oh, we can't afford to miss it. Because Jesus will come at just the time we don't expect it. He talks about it here. Now, this isn't his second coming that he talks about in the last part of verse 3 when he says, I will come like a thief, and you will not know it. He's talking about the judgment of that church and the judgment of other churches that have fallen asleep and are waking up way too late. Friends, the only way we will never become a church of service is if we will keep watch. If we will be vigilant at doing the work of the gospel of Jesus of persevering, of not letting the faithfulness of God get in the way of uh, trending out for God, where we don't just sit and go, I think I'm just going to enjoy this for a little bit. No, we know the work of Jesus is too important to get too comfortable in his call, because he's coming. And the beauty is, Jesus was dead, but now is alive. It started out, you think you're alive, but you are dead. Jesus, in chapter 1, says, I was dead, but I'm now alive. Some of us need to hear the call of Jesus, where he's calling you to set to, for you to lay down something in order to follow him. He's saying, wake up, wake up, wake up. And he's going to say, I want something. Because Jesus wants it all. He doesn't just want part. He doesn't just want to sanitize you. He wants all of you and all of me. And he, he may be calling some of us here this morning to lay something down so that you, we can be made alive again by the one who is alive. What is that for you? What is that for me? What is that for us? You know, we have a business meeting here soon. 
And, and really, the past seven years here, God has been good, has he not? God has been good to us. God has been good to us in many ways. And we may, we may want to kind of go, okay, we can just rest in God's goodness. If we're not careful, we'll lull ourselves asleep. And you'll hear reports and read reports that talk about that, I'm certain. And that's nice in some ways, because we don't have to think too much when it comes to budget. We don't have to sit and wonder, can we pay bills? But sometimes, when you don't have to worry about paying bills, when you got a good nest egg, you don't really have to have faith. Because it's just there. Friends, Jesus is coming again. Maybe today, I shall hope. Maybe tomorrow, I shall hope. But I know my God isn't necessarily to try to figure it out because I will never figure it out. But I am the perseverance, going strong, both now until he comes back or calls me home, when I get a promotion, when I finally graduate from this life. Friends, it's not always about just living well, it's also about learning to die well. How do you do that? You have to keep watch always. Persevere in the faith, because he who is victorious, I will acknowledge them before my Father and his angels. Imagine with me just a moment. As I close, I don't know what your view of heaven looks like. I know many views. And sometimes they're great. I, I can't wait to meet people. When I have people, I can't wait to meet. You all know one of those is my father, and one of those is my grandfather. I say, can't wait. You know what? That's a pale in comparison. And not just seeing the Lord, but when the Lord will take me, so it seems to be when he will take me here or in some way as he and God the Father, they're one, but it, and, you know, as they come together and Jesus says, hey God, this one, I know him. Here's his name. I don't care if I ever meet my dad. If Jesus will say, I know him, friends, that's it. When Jesus will say, that one, mine, ours. How do we do that? We wake up. We repent. And we do the work that we have before. We remember what we have received in the gospel, what we have heard, and we hold to it fast. So friends, wake up. Now is the time. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for this brief moment as we gather under your word. Lord, we just ask that you would wake us up. Wake us up to that, that thing that you're saying, lay that down. I want that. And we're going to trust you because you are the all-wise. You are the one who holds uh, the churches, the world in your hands. And when you say to do something, we need to be willing to submit to you. 
because you are always better. Lord, for some, I believe that is salvation, even this day. That for the first time, maybe they realize they haven't been faithful, and they want to come back, Lord, that they would just say, here I am, Lord. You know, I, I submit to you as King and Lord. I, I receive your salvation, that it's in Christ and Christ alone. Maybe someone just needs to be baptized. Maybe someone needs to become part of a church. Maybe somebody has been withholding what you've been asking them to give. That they just need to give. Whether that's time, resources, money. Maybe some of us have just, we've kind of gotten stable in our faith. And we're just kind of a little sleepy. Lord, give us, give us a burst of coffee. Wake us up. Because the gospel is too important for us to sit back. And Lord, may you continue to wake us up as a church. That we would not just rest on your faithfulness of the past, but we would be actively pursuing your will and your gospel today. So that it can be as you taught us to pray. Your will be done on earth, here, as it is in heaven, there. Lord, we thank you for your promises and your truth. And we pray this in the name above all the only name worthy of glory, honor, and praise. The name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. Amen. Will you stand as we sing uh, this hymn of faith in